Welcome to the unhappy 18th episode of Dear Luika. I'm Stephanie Tangkilisan. And I'm Sweden Lee. And this week on our very sad episode, we talk about the Trump presidency and our five stages of grief. We're going to talk about why is it the case that even though Hillary won in the popular vote, that Trump won. And so dissecting the flaws of the Electoral College, which is voted for Trump. We're also going to look into what the reactions of both Americans and internationals such as us to a Trump presidency. We're also going to talk about what the Trump presidency has inspired in terms of hate crimes. This is going to be a longer episode because we have a lot of feelings and we have a lot of emotions that we want to get out. But most importantly, I think we want to have a proper discussion about what happened instead of just venting through sound bites or tweets or whatever. Like We want to have a dialogue. And, and also a call to action about what we should now do as people who want to make the world a better place. So here's to it. So just to recap, Trump won the electoral vote, which and not the popular vote, becoming the 45th president of the United States, and maybe the last president of the United States. <laughs> For our listeners who are not that familiar with the U.S. presidential process, um, the winner of the presidential process is not decided by popular vote. That is to say how many people voted for one particular candidate, which is the way we vote in Indonesia. The person with the most vote, regardless of where they vote for, uh, wins. And uh, So each vote in that country counts as the same. In America, it is not like that. There's this thing called the Electoral College. We've touched on the Electoral College briefly on our um previous episode about the U.S. elections a few episodes back. You can listen to that as well. Never did I thought that we would end up with this as the follow-up to that episode. No. No. But the... I wish Kasich won! I would do anything for Kasich to have won. Or even Jeb. Jeb! Now you are on Jeb's side. (laughs) I'm on Jeb's side. But the Electoral College is a system whereby certain states um, are given more votes than other states. So in this particular system... States such as Florida, California, Texas, these big states with high number of population are particularly important to win. And what's important about the Electoral College, barring two states, every single state is won by majority. So basically, it's sort of a winner takes all system, whereby as a result of the system, one vote in California is equal to like three votes in Ohio or some of like the, set, the Rust Belt states. It doesn't get divided up based on proportion. It was partly created in order to make sure that the urban areas' interest never supersede the rural areas. So like, and also I've also read about how it's supposed to keep like southern states happy because otherwise, by virtue of voting by a population, the northern states would always win. So this was like a way to keep the union intact. As Stephanie said, it's a way to kind of balance the power of democracy amongst the states. And if you see how the night unfolded for Hillary Clinton, she lost a lot of the states she was expected to. And unfortunately, the ones that she won are the smaller states that don't have enough electoral college votes. You know, like Nevada only has, I believe, six. But Trump won like Florida, which has 29. And Trump won Wisconsin, which has 10. Pennsylvania, which has 20. 
those are major major differences and it's it became really hard to see a way back for Hillary once she lost those big states with those electoral college votes the downside of the electoral college is like once you see that once you see your candidate lose a certain state then it's a long battle from then it doesn't matter that you know as of recording this, it's estimated that Hillary Clinton has won the popular vote by over 1.2 million. This is only the second time in the last 10 years that a candidate has won the popular vote but lost the electoral college vote, lost the election. The last time that happened in the last 10 years was Al Gore versus George Bush in 2000. And we know how, you know, yeah. how controversial that was. So with that one, the margin was even closer in a way in terms of like how many states there were. So they were mostly recounting the uh, votes in Florida only, if I recall correctly. Mm-hmm. And so they went all the way to the Supreme Court and then the Supreme Court decided that the Electoral College is supposed to stay. Which means that fail rate of the electoral system in terms of like making the candidate with the less votes win, I don't see how it's like more of a democratic system, right? Mm -hmm. And this is going to continue on happening just because the biggest population growth are generally in urban areas, which tend to vote Democrat, whereas in rural areas, like the population growth isn't nearly as large. So um, we'll definitely see a lot more losses of this kind in the next 10, 20 years, which is, I think, going to end up it's going to, I feel like it's going to change at some point. Like, yeah. you know, maybe the presidential is decided by popular vote, but the Senate and House continues on the Electoral College or something. But at some point, something has got to give. It can't always be. What if the vote ends up turning to be like 10 million votes difference? That's huge. Oh, totally. Just because like, that would mean that that's, so basically around 27, 25 million people voted for Trump and 25, 26 million voted for Hillary. The largest estimate we've had so far is like Hillary could win between five to six million votes more than Trump, which means that that's 10% of the voting population, which is insane. Like, how can that be a democratic system to have that big of a margin? Doesn't seem to me like a system that is fair. Also, because the way the electoral system is, it makes white votes count more than people of color's votes. Because in this rural areas are places where it's mostly white people. So... I don't know, it's modern-day disenfranchisement. You know, it's like the three-fifth vote rule again. Even in these circumstances, we're not going to see, I don't think we're going to see any overturning no. of the election. No. no. It's it's a done deal. Unfortunately, we have this guy yeah. now. You know, seeing the map how the urban versus rural voted, it's quite interesting, right? So basically, if you see the map, it's very obvious that like there's only a very few parts that are blue who voted for Hillary, and almost the rest of the country is red, right? Which is like pictorially, it kind of shows how divided America is. Like a lot of places in rural America have been failing because of loss of job and industries, right? Mm-hmm. And how um, a candidate like Bernie Sanders would probably have been a better choice given how he would appeal to those kind of voters more because the reason why they voted for Obama is he represented change versus Bush or Romney, right? Yeah. Who are seen as like elite people from the East Coast and um, 
or just like elite political dynasties, right? And how like essentially working class voters would prioritize their own livelihoods and lives more over, you know, the racism of Trump or the sexism of Trump because they think that it's more important that they get jobs back and they got conned by Trump into thinking that this is what is better for them personally and they are, you know, truly suffering in a way. Uh, so they're not going to care. And I think that is a fair argument and I don't think that all of Trump supporters are truly deplorable. Um, I think that's definitely a good point, I think. Whatever the outcome of the election was going to be, I think both parties had to take a deep and difficult look at themselves and how they have have such a disconnect, the Republicans with the minorities, and now the Democrats with um, rural America. And because, again, because we lost, the Democrats lost, we have to look at this even more. Like, how did... This is such a consequential election because, you know, there's no sugarcoating it. The Democrats lost everything. We won a few things, but not enough to change the fact that we lost. I go back and forth being absolutely devastated and then, like, being hopeful. I guess for me, like, what I'm hopeful for is that a lot of people now can't take progress for granted. And, you know, being in Pantsuits Nation, it just makes me realize that we cannot all just be social justice warriors on the internet, you know? Like, we have to leave our eco chambers and actually do the hard work organizing and, like, being an activist, you know? And if our listeners, you don't know what Pantsuit Nation is, then you're not in it. You're just not cool enough yet, JK. All right, JK, it's a secret Facebook group that Hillary, you know, hinted at in her concession speech. I, I definitely think that there's a thing about, like, not having an eco chamber, right? Like... What I think is the case is that Trump was, or the Trump campaign, was able to manipulate and take advantage of the echo chamber much better than anybody else. In what sense? They realized that people were getting their news out of one source and that has been the case not just with facebook you know it's like people who conservatives watch fox news and liberals watch msnbc they very rarely watch the other channel yeah and so trump knew that if he could be in these channels and these mainstream channels that everybody get their news from that's why he didn't spend a lot of money on advertising because he wasn't trying to advertise he doesn't need to yeah he was just essentially he was like trolling the mainstream media by being there. He totally was. And people fell for it, like in the same way that people fell for trolls, right? Like they, they decided to go along with the bandwagon and continue trolling. And I think Donald Trump is the biggest troll in election history. That is true. <laughs> I personally feel that on the night of the election, he did not expect to win. And now he's like, fuck, what do I do? I have to govern now. Yeah. But yeah, as you see, um, both the bad thing and the good thing about democracy is that these kind of, the bad thing is these kind of results can happen. The good thing is there's always a second time. Yeah, Winston Churchill and the whole, like, democracy is the worst form of government except for the others that have been tried and failed. Yeah. Arguably, it was a true American democracy and the popular vote was the thing Hillary would have been president, so. (laughs) Shrug emoji. (laughs) IDK. So this is an interesting situation, right? Like where both Stephanie and I are seriously like grieving. Like I think I went through the five stages of grief um, throughout this election oh process. God, yes. I've oscillated through this five stages of grief. I don't know if I've reached the fifth one yet. I don't know if I've reached acceptance yet. I'm, I'm still sort of like 
No. In, in, in a mess. No. Um, so me and Sweden are like Indonesian citizens. We cannot vote. But we both went to school in the U.S. And we feel very strongly about politics in the U.S. Sweden in particular, I feel like, has more of a reason to grieve than I do. Well, yeah, because, because you've been working on this campaign for like the last two years. Yeah, and I think both you and I have really close friends in America who are going to be the tangible victims of this outcome. Oh, and we feel sure. for them. You know, I the first response yeah. I had after, you know, staying up until like 3 or 4 a.m. over here watching the news come in uh, was to send out an email to all of my American friends saying like, the sun will rise again and, you know, a lot of the international world is on your side. I mean, just look at how the Dow Jones like plunged. <laughs> like everybody was scared of a Trump presidency. Um, so that we're all collectively trying to um, take care of each other and make sure that this man only has one term. For me personally, I feel strongly because when I went to the University of Chicago, I felt like for the first time, it was a community where I belonged, you know, like my American friends are still some of the best people I know and are still really dear friends of mine. And yeah. after high school and everything that I went through, I felt that college in America in particular was a place where I finally belonged in a way. Like I was less, I felt like less racism towards me as an Asian person in Chicago than as a Chinese Indonesian woman in Indonesia. Like... No one has ever targeted my people there to kill before because of my ethnicity in the U.S., you know, whereas, like, I feel definitely more uncomfortable based on my race walking around Indonesia. So to me, America was sort of this place where there was progress and acceptance and where I learned a lot about philosophy and feminism. And it's still, like, for all of its problems, a place where I thought, was, you know, at the forefront of morality and progress in the world. And then to see that crumbling and by electing Trump was just so shocking to me. It just sucks how much people fear being in a Trump America right now. That's what really upsets me is how there's a lot of racism against black people and women, uh, like Muslim women, right? So the ones that I've seen are women whose jobs have been ripped away from their heads and then, you know, like in the University of Michigan case, like threatened to be burned, right? Yeah. You see a lot of that everywhere across the U.S. You've seen, I've seen like photos of, you know, swastikas being painted and white power and like KKK marches are being planned in North Carolina. The phrase is like, we voted for Trump, this is not your country anymore or like, this is Trump's America now. Mm -hmm. That was really scary makes me really sad and scared for people. I mean, this might be a bigger can of worms to dig into at the moment, but I was reading the latest issue of Foreign Affairs magazine, and the entire issue is talking about the rise of populism. Oh, yeah. Oh, shit. That's a whole other thing. As a way of explaining what's going on, right? Like, because right now we, we have, like, yeah. the results of Brexit. Yeah. We have um, Rodrigo Duterte in Philippines. We have Marine Le Pen in France. Like, there are leaders other than Trump who are espousing the same things. So to say that Trump is a unique phenomenon in America because of America's issues, I think as people who are part of the international world, we can't just say that. Like we see uh, dangerous populism everywhere and we need to curb that. I think the side of the rise of nationalism, I think I also see it as like the death throes of like white patriarchy. 
like in a way like the world is changing you have a lot more women and people of color becoming a more vital part of the power structures right mm-hmm. and like the power in the world and basically what this is talking about and like goes into is like the idea that the white man is no longer going to rule the world in a figurative and like literal sense and so like a lot of white men are becoming more scared about the fact that they're not going to have the most dominant place in the world anymore and like they may not necessarily also have even proper jobs that you know satisfies their egos mm-hmm. so by voting for trump they think it can reverse the tide of global progress yeah and like reinstate like white supremacy right that's what they're buying into essentially that's a good point because hillary is the opposite of that for them you know as a female leader also white women right they're becoming scared about the fact that you know their way of life might be threatened in terms of like you know their place within white supremacy right and so they want to you know keep that position mm-hmm, mm-hmm. intact so they're voting based in fear right and this is really interesting to like think about the ways how they think they're being threatened by equality white people this is the worst thing we've ever no i'm sorry that's a very high bar but holy shit and don't try to distance yourself from the bad apples and say it's not my fault i didn't vote for him Hashtag #not all white people shush 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 if muslims have to take responsibility for every member of their community so do we oh I thought this was a meme, but like it's basically really true, right? Like how the America that voted for Trump is the same America that voted for Obama, and it's the same America that it was yesterday, right? It's just that we didn't know it. So if anything, it's almost good that we know the reality of how exactly much progress there is still to be made on so many different levels. I think that's a good way of seeing it because that's something we can change. You know, if we just accept that these people are all xenophobes and racists even if they are if we don't see the gap and we don't see the opportunity to fix it then we'll end up with a divided nation and that's not going to help anyone um, let alone the americans I'm in New York right now recording this podcast with Stephanie and I attended a protest. So you went to the protest? That No, the protest happened in Union Square Park and it was a very vibrant protest with a lot of different messages and it wasn't, it was passionate and it was certainly angry, but I don't think it ever threatened to become violent. I mean, there were also a lot of cops and a, oh, no. and a helicopter right above us. So, I <laughs> yeah. so, so the march, we had a march all up fifth ave from 14th street up to trump tower so basically along manhattan um and by the time we got there there were like you know i mean there's already been like sandbags and barricades and a lot of heavy security presence in trump tower ever since he got elected so that wasn't because of us but what was encouraging for me participating in the in the march is that you know we're all dissatisfied 
there's a lot of different messages about why we're dissatisfied. It's not only about, you know, misogyny. It's not only about racism. It's about climate change. It's about, you know, immigration and all of these things. And everybody was supporting each other. And, you know, there were many moments of... I saw, like... The people who are marching, hugging bystanders who are supporting them. Oh, that's beautiful. And what was also actually really interesting is that on our march, we saw, I saw a Trump supporter. I saw a guy, a white guy, uh-huh. carrying a Trump sign. And then? And, you know, one of the people marching just went up to him and started talking. Nothing violent, nothing whatever. It was just pure dialogue, and they had a very engaging dialogue. I don't think um, she changed his mind at all, but... There's something like this is why, this is why I'm on this side, right? Like I'm on the pro- side of progressive values because we're willing to have that dialogue, even when we're at our most vulnerable. We have seen that our nation is more deeply divided than we thought. But I still believe in America, and I always will. No, I think uh, both Stephanie and I are pragmatic enough to know that Hillary's not perfect. And certainly there's a lot of... I was the person who like definitely felt the burn, right? Like, although... But Bernie, uh, as you can tell, I still feel the burn sometimes. But it's like not even a contest. It's not even a thing. Like, and to be honest, like as further along as I saw Hillary do her thing, like the more I became amazed at how how much she loves America and how much she's worked for the country. Like her thirty years of public service, her endurance to like last this long. In politics, despite everything that has been, you know, said about her and, like, they forced her to, like, cut her hair and, like, call herself Hillary Clinton instead of Hillary Rodham because when she was the first wife of Arkansas for a bill, like, everyone was, like, like, the fact that she kept her maiden name was about to, like, lose bill the election. Yeah. You know, like, she's had people call her so many different things across her entire life yet she kept fighting for it and like but she kept coming back and she and i um sure she'll come back at some capacity whether it's in politics or not i don't know but i know that having worked at the people who worked on the campaign having seen her concession speech and hearing everything she's talked about she will continue fighting for a better america i have as tim said spent my entire adult life fighting for what I believe in. I've had successes and I've had setbacks, sometimes really painful ones. Many of you are at the beginning of your professional, public, and political careers. You will have successes and setbacks too. This loss hurts, but please never stop believing that fighting for what's right is worth it. And to all the women, and especially the young women, who put their faith in this campaign and in me, I want you to know that nothing has made me prouder than to be your champion. So basically what also really struck me with Clinton's concession speech 
is the fact that, you know, she talked about how we should keep going and how I will have to do that as well. And like, if Hillary Clinton has spent her entire life doing this and had such terrible successes and setbacks and she's still going to keep going and fighting, like, what right do I have as a baby feminist to complain and like, feel disillusion and feel, feel like any kind of setback, you know, like, I do not deserve to be tired yet. I do not get to say that I want to, like, be tired and clock out, you know? Like, I'm hardly, I've hardly been a feminist, like, for five years. Like, I do not get to Mm -hmm. bow out. Like, none of us get to do that. But anyway, so essentially the, the tweet that I saw that was, like, excellent is that if you thought I was an angry feminist bitch before, I hope you're ready for me for the next four years. I want to share something that I saw from uh, a designer in America called Debbie Millman. She shared this graphic, uh, basically just a list. Um, there are two lists. One is today and one is tomorrow. On today's list, you can cry, mourn, second guess, worry, or grieve. But tomorrow, tomorrow you have to unify, work harder, plan, mobilize, and make a difference. That's what we have to do. Yeah, because I think we should definitely feel through all of the stages for grief. Uh, We should definitely feel angry, but we should definitely, you know, like not only get angry, but organize, right? Like, um, and I've ordered my books on like community organizing and like, you know, Solinsky's books and like also the rise of fascism. I'm going to try to educate myself on the rise of fascism. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But basically, like, don't just get angry, organize, and, like, you know, spend your time actually, like, I need to, like, get out of my safe space of, you know, Facebook and my online toilet activities, but actually, like, do things in real life to help the causes, right? I mean, I was already somewhat involved to begin with, but I think, if anything, this is pushing me to be more active in the future and definitely pushes me to definitely want to be an active participant in the political system, be it like being actually a politician or something in the future as well. And to all the little girls who are watching this, never doubt that you are valuable and powerful and deserving of every chance and opportunity in the world to pursue and achieve your own dreams. Thank you so much for listening to us this week. Uh, We hope you kind of took away something from it. As always, um, music credits to Jazzart, Ryan Little, and Bro for Free. And if you haven't followed us on YouTube, um, our latest channel, uh, you should definitely follow yeah. us. We're also still going to be on SoundCloud, but we want to uh, highlight YouTube a bit more. And also, it's a lot easier, I guess, to listen on YouTube than, yeah. say, like open up SoundCloud or you know go into iTunes and download the podcast. So we're trying to make it easier for you guys to, to, listen. Uh, to enjoy the episodes. Yeah. And once again, we always, always really want feedback. So email us at dialogicappodcast at gmail.com or send us a Facebook message or comment on YouTube. And as always, uh, we'll have resources and links at our website, theologica.id. And thanks so much for listening. Bye.